Welcome to the 218th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on February 3rd, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 50% of this here show with me is the man who is fully engaged in the next generation, Carlos Rodella. Chajum, I have Xbox, I have PlayStation 5, I am ready and fully charged. <laughs> you are integrated, you are in the Matrix, you took all the red and the blue pill, you took everything, and you are good to go, you are online. You got that little, uh, like, internet jack on the back of your neck, you don't even need your consoles anymore, you're just, you're just jacking yourself in. <laughs> Which sounds bad. <laughs> Which also, sounds bad, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually playing Xbox and PlayStation right now, like at the same time as we're doing At the this moment, yes, yeah. I got it. I saw I saw the uh, bandwidth drop when we got on the podcast. <laughs> nice. So here we are, folks. Uh, it's another show. It's me. It's Carlos. We're back. A uh, bunch of games to talk about as usual. And also as usual, we're going to kick it off with Keeping the House with Carlos. We've got a couple of things to talk about. Carlos, uh, what would you like to lead off with today? Well, I'm going to lead off with uh, a special drink that I'm about to pop open. Let's see if I can get that sound on the podcast. Ooh, nice crisp sound there. So this is uh, the brand new Coca-Cola with coffee. Oh, is it really? What do they call it? Is it Coke Black or something? Or what do they call it? No, they just call it Coca-Cola with coffee. Like, that's, that's the name it? of it. Yeah. Oh, man. Some PR dude got paid to come up with that title. I could have done that. I know. Imagine that pitch meeting. Okay, guys, listen. It's Coke. But it also has coffee. What about Coca-Cola with coffee? I like it. You're hired. You're fired. <laughs> Get him out of here. That <laughs> Give this man a promotion. A yeah. Get out the cigars. So I'm going to, I think I've, uh, did it, uh, I had one before, but I only like just sipped it. So this is like the full real thing. So here we go. Ah, oh, I want to try that, dude. Cause I drink coffee with cola all the time. In fact, that was the name of my blog when I was doing just blogging a while ago. Are you joking now or is this real? No, I'm literally not joking. It was called drinking coffee cola. That's the name of my blog. It's still there. You can go see it. Wow. How weird. Um, we have to do a lot of things that we don't plan and then all of a sudden come together perfectly in the show. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty good. It's a little sweet, uh, okay. obviously, because Coke is sweet. Uh, now, this is not Mexican Coke, which is better, which, which is the one with cane sugar. This is the, you know, over-the-top. High fructose corn sugar yeah. syrup thing. So I think that's the problem. <clears throat> if, if the same flavor was with a Mexican Coke, I'd probably be in love with it. But it's a little sweet for me, but you definitely get, like, Coke in the front end, and then coffee, oh, geez, pun intended, in the back end. <laughs> wow. That is wow. Perfect. Biology lesson here on the So Many Games podcast. Yeah. That's interesting. It's weird it's coming back because this drink has tried to come to America and be successful several times. There's been mm. many different iterations of Coke plus coffee or cola plus coffee. None of them ever stick around very long. And I think, honestly, it's kind of an acquired taste. I do make my own coffee cola. I take just a regular Coke. Um, small size, one of those teeny tiny little baby cans. And then I put in some instant coffee directly into it. It's pretty strong, dude. And I got to say, there's a weird chemical reaction that happens. Uh, the very first time I made it, I didn't know this was going to happen. But when you mix those two things together, it turns into like this volcano explosion of like foam. And if you're not ready for it, it oh, makes shit. a huge fucking mess all over your fucking kitchen. It was ridiculous. I wish I had filmed it. Uh, but ever since then, I'm very careful about when I make it. I get it like in a really big glass and there's a lid and stuff so like it's all fine but oh my god do that at home be careful how weird that i picked this and i <clears> had no <throat> idea you did that actually i thought that was just a joke oh my goodness okay well it's pretty good you don't have to do the the trouble of of doing the volcano at home and you can go buy these in the store um there's now there's a caramel one as well i heard which i think i wow. might actually like um and i maybe just like a vanilla or normal one but this is like the premium blend 
So it's like a darker blend. Interesting. Um, it's really yummy. It's I'm going to be drinking this whole podcast. Well, that's good timing because we're actually going to be getting our uh, grocery order together. We're still doing curbside. Probably we'll be doing curbside for the rest of my life. Uh, but I'm going to put that on my list tonight. I'm going to see if they uh, have some Coke with coffee. I don't know how I'm going to ever remember that name, but I'm going to try to write it down. I know. And uh, hopefully remember that by the time I order my groceries. But we'll see. I'll be able to give it a shot. All right. Well, I'm drinking <clears throat> that. And then I have two other uh, pieces of housekeeping. So the first one is uh, PlayStation released their wrap-up, which I love when they do this. Every year they go, hey, we're going to give you some stats on how many games you played and what you played. And I love it. You know about this, right? Yeah, they usually email. And I didn't get an email, but you mentioned it to me. And now that I'm looking at Twitter, I see that some people have just gone and got it. Why would they not email that? I mean, do they not have an email function? That seems like a pretty basic thing, but I'm looking at it on my PC. Do you have it up on your PC? I do, and and to your point, yeah, last year mm. I, I did get emailed, and I was, like, really excited. And this year I just, a buddy, uh, Ray, had it his, and he posted it and tweeted it. And I was like, oh, wait, where is it? So I had to go to the website, and, you know, yeah. So now we're logged in, and I thought we'd just look at maybe uh, the top games we played and maybe it's, like, the top, how many hours uh, yeah, let's scroll. Played. There's nothing but numbers here. Let's go. Ahead. You want to just start at the top and like just kind of work our way down? Yeah, let's just look at the big numbers. So I'll start us off. Um, number of games played in 2020 for Carlos Rodella. Mm-hmm. Should we guess? Go, I mean, go ahead. No, so I'm, I mean, gonna, I'm gonna guess 50. Okay, good. Yeah, we have to guess for each other. <clears throat> so 119. Wow, oh, that's nuts, dude. That is that, nuts. And now this is just the PlayStation. I do play. Yeah, this is just PS4, and then maybe a little tiny bit of PS5, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's yours? I'm gonna guess yours is because you guessed 50. I'm gonna guess. Oh, but you play a lot for the podcast. I'll say 60. 110. 110. Mm. So I'm surprised that you beat me, dude, because I feel like I play like. But actually, that, that actually makes sense now that I think about it, because you are Mister Comb the PSN store, and you're actually buying a lot more stuff on there. And if there's like a Switch version. I usually swing switch, so that probably explains right. why I'm getting like those those numbers transferred over there. So that makes I guess it makes sense. That makes but sense. That's a lot of games. We both games, play right? a lot of games. Yeah, between both of us, a couple hundred games. That is uh, a lot of games. So our top <clears throat> games. Uh, my top games are. Should you do you want to? This one's hard to guess. Probably. I'm not going to guess. Just, okay. Let's just read them off. My top top games. Uh, first game is Cyberpunk. How many hours? Eighty-two hours. But How many? Eighty-two. 82 okay i'm at probably 95 right now though so um genshin impact got me at 67 hours because for a while there i was living in that genshin impact world yeah and this one surprised me my third really surprised me a final fantasy 7 remake at 59 hours interesting interesting because the story took a while and i remember just doing like tons of side stuff so i really like got lost in final fantasy huh all right i'll give you my top three number one Fortnite, uh, that, it's uh, always my sense. number one. Yeah, always my number one because I play it with my son every day. My wife is playing it every day now, so we like we get at least one hour in a day, basically, because we're doing the dailies. I'm I logged 191 hours of Fortnite last Jeez year. Jeez Louise! Second top game was a game that I love, and I'm gonna come back to you real soon. Neo Two. 171 hours of Neo Two. That's a lot almost, for that game. Almost 200 hours on Neo Two. Uh, I love Neo Two. Neo Two is great. And third. No Man's Sky coming from behind. No Man's Sky, 83 hours. Wow, that's nice. That warms my heart that No Man's Sky because, I've, you know, listeners of the show know that you you had such a hard time with that game for so long. But to oh, like dude, come yeah. back to it and then spend 83 hours, that's pretty cool. 
I think I quit. I started and quit it like at least three or four times. And it wasn't until that very last time that it was enough to kind of hook me. But yeah, 83 hours. That's a pretty respectable chunk of time. Real quick, top genre and top genre hours. Mine is RPG at 269. Wow. I got action adventure at 293. All right. Uh, this is the big one. This is the one I really wanted to talk about. Let's see where, okay. where we land here. We will guess for each other. Uh, total hours of gameplay in 2020. The year that we all basically stayed inside and did nothing. Um, this for makes you, sense. I'm going to guess for you, 1,400. Oh, wow. We're really up there. I guess now I don't feel special. <laughs> uh, 11.84. Oh, man. Okay. I, I overestimated a little bit because I know that you're Mr. PlayStation a lot more than I am. So that was yeah. okay. Not too bad. I wasn't way far off. It still seems like a lot. Um, what do you guess for me? So you, for, you're not you're more Switch. So I'm going to say 800. Oh, you did better than I did. 921. Ooh. So you're only like 100 off. Very close. I win the podcast. You uh, win that part of the podcast. Yes. Is there anything else interesting here? Hours played locally, no one cares. Um, no, I can. I do kind of care about that one. I think that's interesting. How oh. many hours you played locally as opposed oh, to online? Yeah. Well, we know the difference here between. Oh you and yeah, I. it's gonna be. You're like in. You're like at least 95% locally. Am I correct? 97% locally. <laughs> 3% online. I am at 96% locally. That makes perfect sense to me because the only thing I do online is Fortnite, and uh, yeah, that's the only thing. So, uh, okay, what's one more? Maybe uh, days played in 2020, 260 days. I don't know. I guess 260 that's a lot. days. I had. Uh, I don't know if I. Oh yeah, 305 for me. 305. Evenings on wait top day of the week that you played games. Now remember, most of this time I wasn't just freelancing and doing like content like i am now so most of the time i had like job yeah, job, job for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so my lowest uh day that i played games was wednesday same my, was it yeah and then saturday was the day i played the games most for me it was thursday by quite a large margin there's something about thursday nights oh interesting. I, I, I would never have guessed that but yeah it's on there i want let's real quickly i'm i want to go back a little bit for me how many hours did you play in VR? For me, guess for me and guess for me. I'll guess for you. Uh, is that stat there on your page? Oh, it's not even on my page because I don't have it oh, you don't have my that? system right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. For me, it's a big, fat fucking goose egg zero. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else here? Trophies? Well, there's one more thing at the bottom. Um, I just thought it'd be interesting is because I'm a PS5 owner, it says, congratulations, you have entered into the new future of gaming and got a PS5. Uh, and then it gives me PS5 stats, and it says my top PS5 game is Assassin's Creed Valhalla at 95 hours. I must have missed that cutoff because I do I do have a PS5 now, and I do not have the PS5 info. That This must have been wrapped up before I got my PS5. Ooh, pun intended. Okay, well, yeah. that's it. Just uh, some info uh, onto our lives, our gaming lives for our listeners. Interesting stuff. I always love stats. Stats are great. Stats are great. Uh, one more stat is uh, that I have a plus one future gaming console at my house yeah this is why i called you fully engaged a little bit of an allusion to what we were about to get to here i knew this ahead of time so tell us sir i have an xbox series x i do too i know we both do <laughs> um so how, how much have you used yours um pretty fair amount i mean i so okay so like i i set it up got it running i downloaded a bunch of stuff i played actually a lot of it today and i think i played a little bit earlier um, but I think so far I'm playing more on the PS5 only because 
I am trying to finish Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I got my save mm. transferred from PS4 to 5. So if not for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it would have been like 80% Xbox X and 20% PS5. Yeah. Well, I um, I, I uh, definitely was excited to just, you know, get it. I get it early because it was supposed to be February 15th. I was getting Yeah, mine. I was surprised you got it so soon. Yeah. And I went downstairs to go get I, I thought I was getting, like, new shoes that I had ordered. And it was like, this box is much bigger than shoes. Uh, and it much heavier. Oh, wait. I think it might be my Xbox. So it's pretty nice. exciting. And it came with a blue controller that I think I talked about. I got a bundle because I had to. But yeah, blue, blue controller is really cool. Like, it's a really cool one. Um, the first thing, though, I realized that's, I guess, I don't want to say sucked, but was weird, is that I had to put batteries in my controller. Yep. And yeah, I was like, they stuck with batteries. I don't, I don't want to do this. What, what, where's the charging thing? And so I have to go, obviously, buy some more stuff, which is, you know, a battery pack. So that was kind of weird. Secondly, when I turn on my Xbox with holding down the controller, um, it and it's still doing this, and maybe you can help me, it's turning on my PS5. What? Yeah, and because it was hilarious, because it was like it's almost like the PS5 was like, hey, 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 Carlos, hold on. We, you remember me? Like you've been playing me for a while here, so like, are who's you this serious? New You're guy? saying your blue Xbox X controller turns on your PS5? My regular Xbox controller, my regular one. I didn't even use my blue one yet. So, oh, why are you not using that? I mean, it's cool <clears throat> as hell, but and I might soon. But I, I was just using the one that came with, just you know, get the feel of it and see, so we'll be able to review it. Oh, anyway, okay, okay. So, so you got a blue controller for the Xbox X, and you got the one that comes right. in the box, the regular standard. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Sorry, sorry, wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't tracking you there. Yeah, yeah. So, using the real one, anyways, it, 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 it turned on my PS5, and I was like, "What the hell's going on?" So I had to tr- go and turn that one off, and then you know, but it's still doing it. So I don't that understand. That is wild, dude. Maybe check your Bluetooth settings or something because that doesn't happen to me. My Xbox X and my PS5 are literally like six inches apart from each other on my table, and they did they do not turn each other on. That's weird. You know what? That might be causing some of my. I've been having some headphones issues with the audio, and I'm wondering if there's some sort of Bluetooth weirdness. Going I bet on. you. I bet you that's what it is. Well, I'll go look in those settings. Anyways, <clears throat> it was funny to me because it was almost like PS5 was saying no. You know, a little like, bit don't. of jealousy going on there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing was, and these are quick overviews. We'll go into it later, but um, they're some weird stuff. Like, first off, uh, my headphones wouldn't work with the Xbox because uh, PlayStation headphones won't work with Xbox. That's true. They got a little bit of a little jealousy there. If you oh, buy wait. that proprietary stuff, it doesn't cross over. Yeah, jealousy times two. Like, first, <laughs> my PS5 turns on, then my headphones are like, no. You want to use these headphones? Yeah. No, you don't. I won't let you use these headphones. But then I bought like uh, extra Xbox headphones just for the Xbox, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that was weird. And then the other thing that was weird was, jeez, um, obviously the controller. You know, I like the PS5 controller better. I I did use the Xbox one for a while. I feel like it got a little hot in my hands. Like maybe the other one, the material is 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 more smooth or something. And I just I didn't feel like my hands sweaty at all with the PS5 one. But my Xbox one, I felt a little bit like that. Also weird. The top of it, which looks really cool, uh, of the Xbox Series X, blows hot air out of it, and yeah. it smells like like hardware. What? You know, it's oh really interesting. Okay, like if you go up to it, like it smells like a thing. And the other day, I was like just noticing, still it kind of in the room a little bit because I wow. I live in one room, you know. So if a smell happens here, it's probably going to stay around. It just felt like it's really trying hard, or it's doing something. It's like, and if you go up to it. Anybody do this at home, like go right up to the Xbox when it's on playing a game. It's blowing shit out like hardcore. And 
at the PS5 with the two fans, I never hear it and never smell it, and I don't even know anything's happening. That's weird, dude. Do you maybe have not enough ventilation near your unit, or is it near something no, that's giving it extra heat? Because itself. what you're describing, none none of that's going on with my Xbox. It's totally silent. When it's running, yeah, the fan's running, and there's like a little breeze, but it's not like I wouldn't say that it was working hard, and I definitely haven't smelled it. So I wonder if maybe I might you got be. a weird Xbox, or maybe no, it's, no, it's no, too no. hot where it's sitting. No, 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 none of those things. I think I'm probably just exaggerating, but. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> all that stuff I said, yeah, whatever, never mind. <laughs> no, no, it's just the fact that it is doing something, and I noticed it, and I did notice the smell, like because it's like new hardware, like it's okay, it's blowing out the smell. Anyways, it it was a little weird. So all these things put together <clears throat> was a little weirded out by it. But my main concern, uh, and then I have one main positive. The main concern right. is the menu is just you know garbage. Like it's just it's just so many boxes. Like, it's just boxes upon boxes. Then I went to one box. And then, you know, playing PlayStation for so long, all the buttons are different. Or, like, they're yeah. at least one off or something. So I was like, no, I didn't mean that button. No, I'm in a menu. No, why is the video playing? And then, for some reason, all the videos play in small screens. And I couldn't figure out how to make them full screen. And it just felt like, ah, you know? This is funny, dude. We're on opposite sides, I think, because I actually like the Xbox... Uh it's similar to the one and I use the Xbox one a lot. So I'm, I'm, I already have some familiarity with it. And what I really like about it is that you can customize a lot of that stuff. So I took a lot of the garbage off the screen, just went into the settings, like removed a bunch of stuff that I'm never going to use. So it's a pretty clean screen for me now, which I really like. I like the option to change that. So I think it works fine. Um, I actually, I kind of really dislike the PS5's home screen. I don't like it at all. The way they integrate all that stuff together. And it's all just like this big mush of just stuff. And it's just like, Ugh, I like my stuff to be more cleanly separated. Oh, that's uh, so weird that you say cleanly separated because literally you can't get any cleaner than the PS5 being games uh, and media. No. It's, wait, wait. Everything is just all together and like, uh, I do not care for it at but all. Wait, let do me finish like my it. sentence. It's yeah, game, yeah. games and media are the only things on my, on my PS5's home screen. That's it. There's only two things. And if I go to games, it's all right there. I just push down. If I go to media, I just push down and go to HBO. But this one, oh my goodness, I have no idea where to get to. I have to go to a menu bar. There's like a home screen. We could we could dis agree to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> we disagree to disagree on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, minus the menu, though. I will say the positives are this. Obviously, Game Pass, like you said, is amazing. There's just it's amazing. so, Super so amazing. many games. I have played a lot of them. But I did find two games that I'll talk about on the show, and they are Crackdown 3, which I'd never played fully, uh, okay. the campaign, and then Forza Horizon 4, which I knew that I've been wanting to play this whole time, and the Xbox Series X plays at 4K at 60 frames per second. So it is the hotness. So those games, and I played Medium, and I played a couple of other older Xbox games I hadn't played, and in general, I would just like live in in Game Pass. So Game Pass is bananas, dude. Like when I when I turned my Xbox back on and I, uh, you know, I packed up the Xbox one, turned on the Xbox X and I, you know, like I really like I think that it really is improved over the, the one in very small ways. But like having just been on the one like last week, I, you know, it's still fresh in my mind. So I I think the organization is good. But when I was looking at the, the games, I'm like, oh, my God, there's like, OK, here's all the Game Pass games. And then here's all the games that I already own. And then here's all the Xbox Live games. And here's like the EA Access games. You got so many fucking games, dude. Like I, I think I downloaded like something like twenty five games or something like that. And I'm not gonna get to them all. Like there's no way, right? But like, like literally, 
and I, you know, I'm not one who's really about leaving physical behind. I still love physical media, but like if, if you only bought an Xbox, like you could play the entire year just off game pass, dude. and oh, never yeah. run out of shit. Like easily, yeah, easily. And I was like doing, I was going through the store, which by the way, it's called the Microsoft store. Is that I'm in the right place, right? Microsoft yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? I'm on an Xbox motherfucker. Anyways, I, I really don't like the interface, but, um, when I finally got to the game store, it was like the first things are like top, top paid and top free. And I'm like, I don't want top. I want all motherfucker. I want to look at what the newest things are. And then it says recent games that are new, but that's only like 10 games. And I was like, oh, so you had to like hit X to go to all, yeah, see all games. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So anyways, I finally did do that. And I found a ton of, like we talked about in the show, uh, Xbox indie games, right? Yeah, yeah, there's I lots. Because ke- I kept talking about how PlayStation has amazing indie games, and they do. But it was really cool to see ones that I hadn't played before. So I'm, you know, still downloading tons of those, and we'll be talking about those on the show, I'm sure. There is a lot to play. This is the weird generation, though, because, I mean, I got the PS5. I've got the Xbox X, setting them up. And, like, as I'm sitting in to dig in and start playing, I'm noticing that I'm downloading all the stuff from the last generation that I haven't gotten to yet. Like, I don't really have, like, right. a giant next-generation system seller. I mean, I'll play the medium. We're going to probably talk about it the next show. And that's that's on Game Pass, so that's exciting. Um, and, I, you know, I have a copy of Demon's Souls on PS5, but I'm not really in the mood for that right now. Um, so it's just, like, I just noticed I'm, I'm still playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I downloaded a bunch of stuff that was on the Xbox One, and all the games I'm excited to play are games that I already, <laughs> I already fucking own on the last oh, system, man. so similar, dude. The games I'm talking about today and the games that I'm, like, playing nonstop on the Xbox Series X is Crackdown 3 and Forza Horizon 4. Yeah, These are older yeah, games. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, that was the other kind of con, is that I went to that, you know, I hurried quickly to get to the game store, and look for new games for Xbox Series X, and there aren't any, right? Like you said, it's like, yeah, some of those third-party titles that uh, you know both systems have, the ones I've already played, Valhalla, you know, like you said. Uh, but there was nothing, like you said, system seller at all for me to play. So yeah. I was like, I can't even see the power of this thing. People keep saying the power of Xbox Series X. I don't know what the yeah. power is besides it blowing hot air. <laughs> I will say, I want to... I wanna... I want to be positive for a second here. I'm going to throw a curveball and go real positive here. One thing that I really like about both the PS5 and the Xbox One is I really like how integrated backwards compatibility has been for both of these things, right? Because I think that's really important. There's a lot of games that I want to play, like I just said. And I really love, like, get the PS5 set up, transfer my games over. The external hard drive I had for my PS5 or my PS4 still worked on the PS5. Brought that over. And I was able to upload my saves real easily. And then, you know, it was basically no problem at all for me to take odyssey on the on the four and then play it on the five went right back to my save had no hiccups no problems that was great i love going to the xbox one downloading like i mean every single thing that i own in the microsoft ecosystem is right there like even going all the way back to the original xbox and i'm like dude i love this i love that like we're finally getting to a place where we can go back and research old games we can play older things we can access those things because games have always been so tied to the hardware right like and if you move generations a whole new group of gamers are never going to access those games um so i really like how easy it is this generation to go backwards which is great i mean i definitely want new stuff i want looking forward to new stuff i want the power of these new consoles but at the same time, it's a really awesome feeling to look in the these libraries and be like, oh, this is something I bought three years ago. I can still play it. I can still download it. And it even works and looks a little better, which is yeah. great. It's wonderful. Yeah, the PS4 to PS5 does it really well. Obviously, easy, Xbox, easy Xbox goes back further. But like we're just looking forward now, right? Because we're looking forward to from now we're on the PS6 and we'll be able to go back to the PS4. 
Right. I hope they keep it up, dude. I honestly do. I really, I don't know that anybody has discussed this in a formal way, but I really hope that this generation is like a turning point for games, like as a medium. I don't know that Nintendo's going to do this, but with Sony and Microsoft, I really hope they're like, yes, we're going to just work to keep all this stuff moving forward. Like, you know, when you get a new TV, it's like your old TV shows don't stop working all of a sudden. You can still watch the old TV shows, right? right? It would be crazy if all of a sudden you couldn't watch The Office because you got a new TV. That's kind of how I feel about games. I feel like now that as an industry, we're talking about this, talking about archiving, talking about history, talking about as an art form, let's put more effort towards making this stuff like, you know, future-proofed and, and we can bring it forward with us because we're losing all these cool games and cool experiences that people should have access to. And with Game Pass being kind of like the quote-unquote, you know, Netflix of games, there's even more reason to keep that going, you know? Yeah, I'm all for it. I just I laugh when you th- when you said Nintendo because they want us to buy things every you know five oh, million God, times. Yes. Uh, so that's never going to happen. They'll be like, you can uh, buy the extra other version of this game that you already own. I love the Switch, dude. Don't get me wrong, but Nintendo is so fucking backwards in so many ways. I saw somebody on Twitter saying they were surprised that the eShop doesn't close down at five p.m. and I'm like, you know what? Yes, I am also surprised because Nintendo is so backwards and so. Ugh, I love them, but I also hate them, and we're not going to get that now. But like, yeah. I'm I'm really loving what PS5 and Xbox One are doing. Really, really happy that I got to instantly access my libraries. That's really important to me, and I really am feeling it like fully right now. Yeah, I, I like having both, and I feel very lucky again to have both. Um, I would say so far, PS5 is the easy winner for uh, for me for just like the way it feels and the way it, um, even the way it plays so far because I've been able to see more. Uh, I guess, like you said future console type experiences yeah on yeah. ps5 um when i get to see more on the xbox and that'll maybe change but and then in general yeah the controller i'll try the blue one but yeah that dual sense is still it feels incredible like it just feels so much better in my hands and i think the x the original xbox one got a little warm like i felt like that's weird i'll have to check when i go back and play it didn't feel warm to me but i i like the controllers and uh i think for me, I think the Xbox has the edge right now. I'm kind of like not 100% on board with the new style of the PS5, but I'm I'm I got them both. We're gonna play them both. We're gonna spend time with both. It doesn't have to be either or. We can we can love them both. There's enough. Oh, we will. Around. Yeah, those are two games of this show. Are gonna be about Xbox? So let's get into those games then. Let's get into the games, Carlos. Why don't you lead us off? Um, if you want to go in a different order, that's fine. I have you up first talking about Lost Sphere. Is that okay to talk about first? Yeah, uh, we'll 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 put the other one, the Xbox games, later on. All right, Lost Sphere. What I I feel like I've heard of it, and I don't know much about it. Is this one of the um, Square indie games that they brought to the market? Yeah. Am I thinking? Yeah, okay, Tokyo, it is. Tokyo okay. RPG Factory. Yes. Okay. Tell us all about Lost Sphere. Uh, this is one of those short reviews, so it's very quick. It's not that I don't like it. I actually really like it, but I uh, haven't played enough of it really to fully talk about. But I just want to put it on people's radar because Tokyo RPG Factory is a great little. Uh, company or like what's it called um, Skunk Works or something like a subsidiary of Square Enix sure sure yeah uh, and they did I Am Setsuna which I liked even though it was slow uh, but I did like it and the, the, the latest game I guess failed really bad a lot of people didn't buy it but a lot of people didn't buy this game either and this is a very very good RPG and I'm bringing it up because I think these this this company or this uh, you know subsidiary company Tokyo RPG Factory does a very, very good job of doing nostalgic RPGs. And it doesn't need to, like, do new shit. Like, I read a lot of, read a, read a lot of reviews about this game, Lost Sphere. And I'll talk about it in a minute. But a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, it did all these things that other games did. Uh, and it doesn't do anything new. And I'm like, yeah, that's why they made it. 
You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if I'm you're s- in the market for that, yeah, I can see how that could be just what the doctor ordered. I'm just so frustrated with like so many reviews in general, right nowadays. How much like um, how how much expectation people put on certain things? But yeah, the Tokyo RPG Factory. It's in the name. They were trying to make old school RPGs for that nostalgic vibe. And I think I Am Setsuna did that. I think Lost Fear does it better. And I don't know their third game, so I'll have to check that out. But Lost Fear is essentially uh, top-down, old school RPG, like a Final Fantasy, uh, turn-ba- turn-based slash active time battles. So you're like, you know, um, picking who you want to attack, doing your special moves, but it doesn't really happen in real time. But you do wait for like your active time battle meter to go up. I don't know what you call that style because no, is... that's it. Active time battle—that's what you're okay. describing. It's yeah. just, but it feels like it's so slow that it's pretty much turn-based. You know, you're yeah. not like there's other active time battles that are like all action, but this one's just like really slow. It's not that like you're not like uh, button mashing, and you you play as a character who can bring back old memories, uh, and this whole world has kind of like lost a bunch of <laughs> what. I can do that too. It's called remembering. Oh, jeez. Okay, how about this? There's parts of the world that like turn to like dust or like white, uh, like clouds, and he can go over to it and like take some old memories and touch the memories to the cloud area, and then bring back the actual physical space. Okay. All right. All right. Gotcha. Which is cool. Um, and also, it's cool because you know you're going around, going around, and you can also, when you do this trick. You can install, which doesn't make any sense, but you can install like these little artifacts. And when you do, the artifacts change and give you like um, a special bonus to your whole party. So like say you put down, after you've like recovered some memories of a part of the world, you put down like a little tower. That tower makes your whole party run faster on the map. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's like different little abilities for the whole team just based on like um, an item you put down on the the map. So that's kind of cool. But in general, yeah, it's just like a really relaxing, super old school, you know, like think Final Fantasy VII before the remake or Final Fantasy IV or V, really, where it's just like, you know, beautiful, like hand-painted background sceneries, you know, very kind of uh, sprite kind of driven, but smooth sprites. And you're just doing some fun battles. It's a very, you know, relaxing story. It's not like crazy um yeah there's nothing really much to report on it it just it was just what the doctor ordered like you said i wanted something to slow down with i wanted something to relax with um it's a pretty short journey i think it's like 20 hours and for an rpg that's pretty short yeah yeah Uh, so i played like 10 hours of it i feel like really really good um like you know what i experienced so far and i'll probably finish it but i just i bring it up because less of a review and more of a like a hey you know, Tokyo RPG Factory, they're pretty rad. Like, they do nostalgic old-school RPGs, so check them out. If that is your jam, check them out. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. I didn't play too many hours of it, but I just thought, like, I'd bring it up because I just saw those reviews, and they are like, it doesn't do anything new. I'm like, it's not trying to. I mean, I think that's fair. I, I, if, if that is your goal is to create a nostalgic JRPG experience, and that's what you set out to do. I mean, as long as you've got your PR materials communicating that fact, I, I do not think it's fair that they get dinged for that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess I, I don't know this, this game very well. I don't know how it was positioned and I don't know what people are expecting. So I, I could understand if you were expecting something new to be disappointed if it was something old. But, you know, if you if it was sold properly, eh, that's not a fair criticism. No, it isn't. 
So anyways, I bring it up because if you are <clears> in the mood for a relaxing old school RPG that doesn't do anything new because they didn't want it to, besides, I guess, the, the, the mechanic I told you about, which is there's some really interesting uh, mechanics they do with memories and the ability to place things down on the overworld map that actually change your you know characters and stuff. That's kind of cool. But other than that, it's like straight battles. Um, there's a momentum meter that's kind of cool. Uh, that's a little different. But in general, it's just relaxing RPG fare. There we go. That is Lost Sphere. Playing on PS5, I assume? I'll play on my PS5 uh, via the PS4 store. Okay, PS4 on PS5. Thank you very much. I will talk for a few moments about a couple games on Switch. First off, uh, Cultist Simulator. Uh, this is on the Switch, but it's also on PC. I, I think it's just Switch and PC, but it might be on other platforms. I, I'm not 100% sure. I was very curious about this one. This It was kind of a... I guess it's kind of a roguelike, hard to say. It is definitely kind of a deck builder, sort of. It's also kind of a resource management game, a little bit. It's also like a clicker, kind of. It's hard to really even describe what this game is, but I heard about it a while ago on uh, the Gamers With Job podcast. A shout out to anybody from that show listening to this show. Uh, and it really caught my attention. I thought it was really fascinating, and I jumped at the chance to check it out for review. Unfortunately, it's one of those where maybe I think the sizzle is better than the steak. Um, what this game is basically, it's and again, hard to describe. You play as a person, and there you don't see yourself. What you see is a, a screen with like cards on it. And like the first time I turned this game on, I literally had no idea what was happening. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what the buttons did. I wasn't sure if the game was frozen or not. I I like sure. literally had no idea. I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? Like, there's no tutorial. Nothing's moving. What am I supposed to be doing? Like, it was just, I was very, very, very confused when this game starts. And as somebody who has played games for like, you know, 40 fucking years, it's not often that I turn on a video game and don't know what to do with it, right? Like, that doesn't yeah. happen to me too often. So that gives you like a good sense of like how off the beaten path this game is. Um, no tutorial at all. And the game even says something like, uh, yeah, you're not going to know what to do, but just figure it out. Or, you know, it says some shit like that, which I'm like, okay. You're getting off on the wrong foot with me because I don't enjoy that. But I got into it, and basically, you get little snippets of story. And by little, I mean one or two sentences that are kind of disconnected from everything else. It'll be like a guy, like, on the corner of the screen, it'll say, I had a dream of trees, and they were bleeding. And, like, that's it. And then it's like, you have some cards on the screen, and there's slots where cards go, and you're like, what do I do? And then some of the slots are called things. But the names change. So, like, you'll have a slot that says dream, but then you put a card in that slot. If it fits, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, and I'm not sure why. Uh, then it'll change, and then you're like, oh, it became something else. Okay, and then after you put a card in, a countdown starts. And then when that countdown is over, that card produces another card or another couple of cards. And then you take those cards and try to fit them in more slots. Sometimes they fit, sometimes they don't. Not sure why. And then you put them in, and then once you put those in, more countdowns start, and you get more cards. And sometimes things unlock, sometimes things don't. <laughs> not sure why. Oh my goodness, I'm so confused. There's no graphics to this game at all. Like, it's just looking at cards on a tabletop. Every once in a great while, you'll get, like, a very faint kind of a pencil backdrop of, like, a castle or, like, a tree. But there's no graphics. There's no characters. There's no special effects or anything like that. It's just, like, virtual cards on a virtual table and little countdown timers for each card and the text in the corner. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. Like, money is 
accumulating. Sometimes money's dropping. Sometimes I make a friend. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes there's story. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes a card goes in the slot. Sometimes it doesn't. I, I just don't know, man. Like, I don't know what to do with it. And I don't really feel like going to a wiki and reading for like seven hours about how to play this game. And I feel like I should be able to figure it out. There is a little bit of an in-game to... I hesitate to call it a tutorial. It's like a like a virtual pamphlet that you can look at and zoom oh, in on fun. the pictures and the text. I hate it when people do that. Um, so I looked that over. It's kind of a little bit of info, but like not super mega helpful. So I ended up just like looking at this thing going, I'm putting cards in a slot sometimes, getting more cards sometimes, and then my game is over and I don't know why. And oh, then I got to restart. Louise. And I'm like, okay... That's Cultist Simulator, I guess, you know? Uh, that's all I got out of it, honestly. Like, I was at a, just a real loss with it, and I didn't really get very far, and I didn't really feel like I wanted to keep going. And this just kind of screamed to me, like, like a developer who is making this for their own specific vision and kind of doesn't give a fuck whether you are on board or not. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm not on board. So I got off. Yeah, hard pass for me, too, just based on that. But also, um, it's like you didn't join the cult. I 100% did not join the cult. Not even... I, I would have liked to have seen the cult. Like, tell me more about your cult. I'd like to learn Wait, more. Wait, they gave you a pamphlet. It's just... It's totally like a cult. They gave uh, you a pamphlet, and you're like, I don't want to read this. Man. Not yeah. enough info. I was just... Very frustrating experience. Um, I think the concept of, you know, reading the, the, the PR for the game, it says start your own cult and discover the dark secrets of the universe or whatever. Great. I'm down for that. But that is not what you get in this game, and it's very frustrating, very obtuse. So that's... Mm. cultist simulator i like the concept but i 100 cannot recommend it um the other game i want to talk about briefly is called olija o-l-i-j-a um this is an indie that came out of the blue maybe two three years ago made kind of a splash at like a pax or something and then it vanished for a while and then i saw um it getting uh, some pimp action on the playstation twitter they were like oh yeah olija's finally out it's here it's on ps5 and i'm like oh shit like i remember this game from when i was young and now it's here, so let's check it out. It's a 2D platforming pixel art game where you play a pirate who gets, uh, I don't know, like washed up or into some weird alternate dimension or something. And he finds a harpoon, which you can throw. And once you throw the harpoon, you can warp yourself to wherever the harpoon goes. So it's kind of like a warp, kind of like a little grappling hook, sort of. Mm. And you have other weapons you can equip, some secondary weapons like a saber and a gun and crossbow or something and then you kind of go through these little areas looking for keys to unlock um, the next area to get to you go back home to your pirate base which is full of pirates who are also marooned wherever it is you are in this alternate dimension or something and you kind of go to these levels look for keys come back to your home base fill your life back up you know whatever you're doing buy some more ammo for your guns go back out it's it's interesting um i like the concept of the spear i think is really fun because it's pretty grapple hooky, and I really like grappling hooks, um, so that's kind of good. Uh, I think the graphics are okay; like it's not not wonderful style, but I think it's engaging. It's it's kind of interesting looking. A lot of good background work, um, but overall, I feel like it's kind of lacking just the juice to really get me excited about it. Like I've I've gone through maybe more than half. I feel like, and it's a short game. I think people tell me it's five six hours, uh, so I'm at least halfway, if not more. And I just I'm waiting for it to like start popping, and it's just not quite popping like it's it's got a good concept i like pirates i like spears I like grappling hooks it seems like kind of a cool thing but like i just feel like there's not enough there like you go to home base i feel like there should be more to do there's not enough to do there you're in the levels it's fun to throw the spear around but like it just doesn't feel like that engaging and it's on the easier side and that's not a criticism i think it's fine that it's easy but i just feel like you just don't do enough interesting stuff 
you just kind of walk for these different platformy levels and sometimes the levels are interesting sometimes they're not level design is not super great and the other thing that's kind of weird about this game is Olija is actually the name of a girl that you meet in this game and it's strange because you don't get really any context about who she is like the pirate guy just sees her and then all of a sudden he's like in love with her for like no reason and he like follows her back to the next place that she goes and then he follows her home and gotta be honest with you dude it feels a little weird creepy stalkery like I'm like why am I yeah it's weird he shows up in this one level at her house and he's like in the bushes watching her and then he like puts a flower up on her her balcony and I'm like why am I doing this I haven't even talked to this person I don't even know who she is I have no context for why I mean she's six pixels so I don't know if she's even hot looking or anything but like it wouldn't even matter if she was because you're acting like a weird creepy stalker and that part is kind of putting me off the game a little bit it's weird also he just picks up like a little um like digital eight or 16 bit um was it stereo and put holds it above his head? Oh God, yes, doing the say anything maneuver. Yeah. I mean, he might as well have, dude. It's just that part of the game I find to be really weird, and I don't understand why we're doing this pining romance thing because it's really not well established. So I think overall, like, it's kind of a cool idea, and I think it's probably a one man show. I think it's probably like one or two people making this game. So it's a small indie, and I want to support the small indies, but I feel like it's just not where it should be and it's not enough there and some of the stuff isn't quite dialed in so it's cool but i gotta be honest i don't think i'm gonna stick it out until the end i think i might move on to something else yeah quick tangent here um you do try so many switch games you do try more uh games that revolve around this kind of fun mechanic over story yeah like i feel like you play a lot more like that than i do and i'm just realizing as you're talking about this game yeah it could have used probably more cutscenes or something to explain why the things were happening 100 percent. but at the same time even if it did every time i go to a store switch store or ps4 ps5 and now xbox and i look at like the video or i look at the screenshots i'm like a hard pass on almost anything that's like video gamey or arcadey um, and what I mean by that is like, if you're just doing a mechanic and getting points or getting things, then I'm out. Like, like I'm a hard pass almost at every single thing, which means I don't play many games on switch because I feel like so many games on switch aren't really about story. I might be like over st- or whatever it is like over, uh, assuming. No I, no, I think that's fair. I mean, when you look at the whole switch library, I think a lot of it is about pick up and play, you know, bite-sized sessions, yeah. um, quick mechanics that you can jump in, jump out of. I mean, there are definitely story games for sure, but I think you're correct in saying that it's probably not the place that you go if you really want, like, super rich, like, narrative experiences. I mean, there's definitely RPGs and JRPGs, don't get me wrong, there are. But, like, if you look at the total library, probably it's, a you know, a smaller percentage for sure. Right, like last episode I was saying, someone just give me an RPG on my Switch, um, which no one tweeted me oh you know i forgot way. to check the mailbox i forgot that oh they, maybe they I, told me maybe oh. they did i forgot to check oh sorry guys anyways in general when i hear you do switch games lots of times I, i'm thinking that back in my head i'm like i wouldn't even give this game a fucking fair shake i'd be <laughs> hard passing as soon as i saw it go here's the mechanic and that's it i'm like huh. anyways well i mean and that's why i mean you're not wrong though i mean that's kind of why i come to the switch right like in my head i have these these platforms divided into different places like when i want deep engrossing huge i'm going to go to the xbox or the 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 playstation right but when i want half an hour at bedtime 15 minutes on bedtime or like you know something i can jump in jump out something relax you know i go to the switch so like for me it works because that's how i categorize them in my mind but yeah I, i think you're not wrong i think you're right that's why i play grindstone on it and that's all i'm still playing on it 
Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right, that is uh, Olegia. It's on Switch. It's on, I think, everything right now, including PC. Let's move on to you, Carlos. Uh, let's talk about some of this Xbox stuff you've been digging into. I'm curious to hear your take on Crackdown 3. Kind of a strange game. Took a long time to get here. I have played Crackdown 1 and 2. I have not played Crackdown 3. Very curious to see what you think of this one. Yeah, so here's a couple Xbox games. If you want, I can just do them back to back. Yeah, please do. So Xbox Series X, what did I do? I didn't play new games. I played old games. But I have been waiting to play Crackdown 3 for a while because I didn't have an Xbox One for a bit. And Crackdown 3, full disclosure, I was at Microsoft Studios for a little while while this, being, while this was being made. Actually made a GIF of some of the destructibility that was going to be in the game. Remember we talked about oh, this, I think? Oh, yeah. You know, okay, so let's, let's set the scene a little bit in case for people who don't know. Crackdown 3, third person, open world... You have a cop with superpowers who can jump and do, you know, crazy guns and stuff. But the thing about Crackdown 3, correct me if I'm wrong, they were going to use, like, the power of the cloud and every environment was going to be running off a server and, like, literally everything was going to be destructible down to the atoms or something like that, right? Yeah, and I made a GIF that showed it in action, and it was so cool. It's probably out there somewhere on the internet, which this building was, like, falling and th- built, you know, bricks and stuff are flowed, flowing all over the place. And it was just super, super cool to watch. Um, and then I had to get rid of that gift because we weren't doing that anymore. Um, so, yeah, this is straight, uh, basically, Crackdown 1. So Crackdown 2, if you, if you played it, it went a little off the rails. It changed a bit. It was a different developer. Crackdown 3 is, I'm pretty sure, the same team as Crackdown 1. If not, uh, whatever they did, it's Crackdown 1 again. Which is great, because if you like Crackdown 1, like I did, it like you said, it's a superhero agent. He jumps really high. He has like special moves. You get better and better, like which I love. You know that. Skills for kills. Skills, skills for, for kills. kills. And yes. then you get all the orbs, and I love collectathons when there's like some cool story attached to it. And, it, you know, Crackdown was like super addictive. So Crackdown 3 is, in my opinion, more addictive. They do a really cool thing with short, short story spoilers. The first thing is, and this kind of goes back to the earlier thing, they, they were going to use this uh, xCloud computing. They didn't use that. They also pivoted at some point and added Terry Crews into their marketing. Terry Crews, famous for, you know, movies, shows, and stuff. Sure. Well, he's in the game, but, and this is a spoiler because it's the beginning of the game. So if you don't want to know, one minute, skip ahead. The beginning of the game, he's in the game yelling like he does, his little character. We get to an area, he gets killed. In the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, ah, the whole ship that we're on with Terry Q's is gone. Boom. Like, shot down. Now and he, he never m- comes back? He might come back, right? Like, I don't know. He, he maybe I'm totally wrong. And, you know, but it was just weird that they have all this marketing material in the first scene of the game, they like his ship gets shut down. There were a lot of commercials with Terry Crews pimping for Crackdown 3. That was he was the face of Crackdown 3. And he doesn't need to be. I'm here to tell you Crackdown 3 is a fucking amazing game and don't sleep on it. And if, if you have Game Pass, you know, cut cut to the chase, Carl's fucking go download this game if you liked Crackdown 1. It's way better than Crackdown 2. It is essentially one, but better. And here's the better parts. They do throw a little bit of a story, and the story is told through cutscenes that is a really cool art style that you would really like, Brad Gallagher. Okay, okay. It's so, like, comic booky, but done, like, in a slick new way. Um, it basically, the, the cutscenes show what the story is, which is 
there's a post-apocalyptic thing that happened. And at some point, this company, which you've seen in games before, Terra Nova, takes over a city. And the whole city is run by the company, you know. And, of course, they're evil. And they have many, many different, like, um, people that run the whole city. Like bosses, right? Yeah, like the mayor, superintendent, like all the people yeah. running the stuff. Sure. And when you like do enough stuff, you've seen games like this, cause enough hate mayhem, like that character will be flushed out and you'll be able to fight them. Sure, sure. Uh, and it's very much like Shadow of Mordor. Is that what it's called? Shadow of Mordor? Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. I mean, a lot of games use the same thing where, you know, you can't get to the boss until you weaken the area down. And yeah. that was even in the first crackdown, too. I don't know if that they were the first necessarily. I don't know the time of who came up with that concept, but that was a big part of crackdown one because you couldn't get to the boss. You would know where he was, but he'd be surrounded by so many goons like you would die before you get to him. So you had right. to like take away his gun supply and then take away his manpower and, you know, take away his snack machine and you do all these other things <laughs> sure. and then. And then you'd finally get to him at the end. So, yeah, it sounds like the same formula. For I sure. guess I had forgot that system was in the first one. But, yeah, um, this one is there. And it's like, again, many different types of people. So one person runs the chemical plants. One person's more like, you know, there's an AI that runs the subway. And so if you take enough subway systems out, then you get to fight like the AI, I guess. Anyways, it's so addictive. Crack cocaine. OK, crackdown is crack. Crackdown it's is crack. It's in the title. It literally has to have that in there. I've never done it. But I've heard it's addictive. And <laughs> this shit is, I mean, you try to spend 15 or 20 minutes. It's all of a sudden an hour or two hours. It's because they do, again, they do everything what one did right. The style's cool because it's own style. Very super stylized. The only con, I'll say, is at nighttime because the whole style is very dark and then neon. So, like, everything's pretty dark and then neon. Like, bright, bright neon. Uh, not realistic you know it's a gta world that's like a cartoony gta world sure sure but you don't care like it has its own style like it owns up to that all the cars look like they're from tron you know cool. like and they're cool. really fun to drive and um npcs are dumb you know you could pick them up throw them and they don't like penalize you for doing it no cops come after you they the, just like in real life just like in real life you could pick up a person throw them and no cops come after you but they, they, they uh, you know, the agents talking to you in your head headpiece are like, "Hey, come on, don't kill people," and you're like, "Ah, uh, I'll do it a couple." But more there's times. no consequences. Ah, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Lulls. Yeah. Um, but anyways, in general, you just, you just, everything is like perfect carrot on a stick. You take out one thing, you're like, oh, "I could just do this next thing." Well, I could just get those more orbs, and you upgrade in a beautiful way. Uh, you choose some of the upgrades yourself. A lot of it just happens naturally, which I love. Like they're like, you're stronger now, and that's it. And it's so good, dude. It's so, so fucking good. I mean, I can't explain how much fun I'm having. Excellent. I loved the first Crackdown one. It was pretty, pretty great for when the time it came out. Crackdown two kind of fell down a little bit, but I would be very happy to play something like this again. And I'm curious to see how well this formula holds up. I mean, according to you, it holds up really well. I guess. Um, I I'm gonna go download this immediately if it, if I haven't already downloaded it I think I may have but my question is so I guess you know as we said at the top of the segment the big thing about this game was they kept talking about the X Cloud so how did they I guess did they there's no cloud functionality at all how do they handle that or what happened or okay let me tell you what I don't know but is also something that will be helpful so. Uh, the, this game has this thing called campaign mode. For some reason, you can download two versions of the game. One's called campaign mode. One's called something else. And I was like, are these two games? I'm confused. And I really don't understand still to this day what I did, but I downloaded two versions of Crackdown 3. 
But when you go in, you can pick single player campaign or co-op campaign, which is cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I pick single player. Once I did that, it built a world. So I maybe it said building world or something like that. I don't think it's. Um, is it like an instance world, like in Minecraft yeah, like or something? A, yeah, like it's an instance, but it's not procedural because obviously they, you know, developed these these sectors to be very specific. I think. Um, this, so maybe they're doing something there, right, with instancing. Secondly, they say, and I haven't picked this option yet, just because I'm having so much fun with the campaign, but there's an option that says, like, create your own, like, sandbox world. Hmm. So I'm guessing that or the multiplayer might be the one where they're using the xCloud. So this is a half review, and we'll have to come back to it, both of us, um, and then choose those options, and let's let's see what they did. Because... For me, it's like super generic, you know, no cloud computing going on with campaign. It's like an old school game, you know, hmm. but the style is so cool and the addictive nature is so cool. You don't give a fuck like you don't care that it's an old game. So whatever the new things are doing, it must be in those other versions. Uh, and again, people who've already played this for like years, or I don't know how long it's been out, are probably yelling at the podcast, you idiots. But uh, I don't know what those other versions are yet. So we'll have to explore. We'll come back to it. I'm definitely going to give this a shot for sure. I had a pretty good time with Crackdown 1. I wouldn't mind some of that um, right now. Uh, we'll go back. We'll circle back. Um, we'll circle back. Let's yeah. talk really briefly about her Forza Horizon 4 because it's a car game and I don't care about car games. I'm already bored talking about it. But <laughs> since you played it on Xbox One, I guess we should mention it for like a minute. So go ahead. And I will only mention it for a minute, but I will say this. I've, I love the Forza series, uh, Horizon series. Forza series is more realistic, like a GTA. I like the off-road stuff so forza horizon series is the off-road but it also has races as well so but it's an open world in that kind of burnout paradise uh way where you can drive anywhere which i love and you get certain cars you do all the same things car games do where if you do enough races you get points you get credit and this one you get influence so it's kind of like a social media thing and all that stuff just happens and you could buy new cars and i never felt like uh constrained by it it just felt like extra shit you know there's always stuff to do. But my favorite thing is that you can just drive anywhere. So you can literally just go into the woods. You can, you know, go wherever you want to go um, and then compete in races and et cetera. It's running at 4K, 60 frames per second. It's the hotness. Like it looks fucking amazing. Never, ever stutters ever. Like it doesn't fucking stutter. There's no frame rate loss at all. I haven't seen any. Um, your car takes a little damage, but it never really does anything. It's just more of like, you know, uh, aesthetic. But the cool things are this. One, it has the best intro to any racing game ever because it, it this game has seasons. So it actually does change, right? So you get fall, you get spring, you get winter, you get snow. Oh, okay, gotcha. And the intro to the game has you just drive through each season in like a race that they just put you in. And like you just make a big jump and after the jump, it turns into winter and you're another car now and you just start experiencing all the weather you know environments which is like on ice you slip and you know the snow changes things and it's incredible like it's my favorite racing game experience i think i could say this hands down because it has the off-road it has really fun physics it has like the ability to like not be put behind so far in a race because you fucked up you know okay which is why i nope out of almost every racing game because I'm not good enough, you know, I'm not, I can't get good. It also has the rewind feature. So like if you fuck up really bad, you can just rewind 15, 20 seconds and then take that turn differently. And by doing that, you actually learn to race better. 
Like, it's not just a cheat. It's like, oh, I see. I should have braked right there. Sure, sure. I get you. That's all I'm going to say about it. It is literally my favorite racing game. Like, I knew it would be. And again, I didn't have an Xbox One to play at earlier. But at 4K, 60 frames per second, if you like racing and if you like, you know, open world type stuff, it's incredible. Um, and then one more thing I'll say, it also has like some sponsorship stuff in it or like uh, third party things where you can go to the Top Gear section and like play kind of a mini episode of Top Gear where you play as the Stig and you can like drive around. They're talking about like Top Gear stuff. That is fascinating. I am fully engaged in this conversation. That you is are so, so hard passed out. But anyways, for other people and also just the just that here's I'll say this, though, just like the um, what's the word? The technical ability of this game is impressive, you know, uh, and it's just beautiful and fun, and I love it to death. Excellent. If you are interested in Forza Horizon 4, Carlos gives it a thumbs up, sounds like. Yes, I'm, and your other asterisks, but I want to jump off a cliff now. <laughs> Racing is one of my least favorite genres, but I am glad that you enjoyed this game. I'm glad you found joy here. I'm sure that other people will enjoy it as well. I've heard people say they really like the Horizon series, and that's great. It's not for me, but I'm glad, I'm glad you like it. So that's yeah. And I'm just there. saying, an unexpected Series X, though, it, it's just beautiful, smooth as butter. Yeah, good stuff. All right, cool. I'm gonna move on really quickly. I don't have a lot to say about this next game, but I do want to mention it really briefly. Werewolf: The Apocalypse. What? Earth Blood. What? I'm sorry. I do that a lot whenever you announce a game because we don't really talk about it lots of times pre-show. But that's the game I've been kind of in quotes waiting for because I was so hungry for a new game. And I didn't oh, know you, okay. I didn't know you played it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, this game, well, it's okay. So it's from Cyanide, which is a studio. Um, I've played a lot of their games, and they're pretty hit or miss. Sometimes they really, they really get it right. Sometimes they don't get it so right. And their production values are always a little bit on the sketchy side. And, you know, sometimes it's okay. Like, I'm not really a graphics whore, and I can, I can get down with a little bit of jank. And if it's, you know, rough textures and stuff, it doesn't really bother me that much, as long as it's fun to play. Um, this is a really interesting one. Uh, half interesting, half super not interesting. Um, the interesting half is it's a third-person action game where you play as a guy who can transform into a wolf at any time, which is great. I think that's interesting. Yes. I think it's really fun. It's really stealthy. If you want to like turn into a wolf and you can sneak through the shadows and like run up on guys and bite them and that whole thing, that's pretty interesting. When you power up, you can turn into like a half-wolf, half-man form. So you're kind of like the best of both worlds and you're really big and muscly and you can rip dudes up with your combos. That's pretty cool also. I like things that transform. Werewolves are pretty cool in general. Um, so that all is, is good. Um, the, on the opposite side, I don't really care for the story. I didn't get very far, just full disclosure. I think I played just you know the first maybe one or two levels. And they fridge the guy's wife immediately, which I found not cool. Uh, saw it coming a mile away. I thought it's really boring and tired. They should have done something different. Fridge? Also not fridge. Yeah, they fridge her just like immediately. I don't know what fridge means. Uh, fridging the wife is like when you kill a woman in order to make the guy's story progress. I so never like, heard that before. Yeah, it comes from. I want to say it comes from like a the Flash comic book or something like that. I could be wrong. It's from a comic book character oh. where they killed her. Maybe it's Hawkeye. I don't know. They killed his wife for the only reason of like making giving him motivation to keep doing something else. Right? Like they couldn't right. think of any other way other than killing the female to get the male motivated to do what he needs to do. So that, and she was found in a fridge. That's why it's called fridging because uh, your body okay. was in a fridge. 
So they fridge this werewolf's wife immediately, which I'm like 100% not cool with. It's so boring. It's so tired. It's so cliche and dumb. Like, I'm just not down with it at all. There's a thousand other ways to motivate somebody. And on top of that, I your protagonist is like generic, scruffy, like white guy. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, could we please get somebody else for like a hero? Can we have options? Like, could I be a black werewolf? Could I be a woman werewolf? Can I be somebody else? It's like, nope, it's a predetermined character. The most boring, fucking generic, scruffy, rando white guy whose wife got fridged in the first level, putting me really far off the game, like just immediately shutting me down and being like, I'm not interested to see where this goes because it starts off in like basically the worst possible place. Um, so that was not good. Also, it's really rough. Graphics pretty rough. Animation pretty rough. Combat pretty rough. But I think werewolves are cool and I think transforming is cool and. Like I said, to be fair, I've only played like the first two levels. It may get better. It may not. But so far, pretty mixed impressions. I have one, uh, two questions. One, what did Cyanide do before? Do you know just off the top of your head one of their games? I would not be able to tell you, okay. but I'm going to look it up right now because I do not remember. Just because they remind me of like a studio, like you said. It's got a little jank, like uh, the, the, you know, the, what's it called? Like the Elixes of the world. Yes. Uh, you yes, know, yes. which where we love them. Like I love Elix. Um by the way, Elix 2 is coming out soon, isn't it? I don't know about soon, but they are 100% working on it for oh, sure. Holy shit. Anyways, uh, so that, you know, that I can look past usually. Uh, but, and it'll be interesting to see what other games I'll be able to tell probably what their style is. But while you're looking that up, the other question I have for you, if you played enough of it, do you have to be one of the forms at certain times? Or can you be any form at any time? Meaning... <laughs> Do you have to like be stealthy for the stealth scenes and be a werewolf or something? As far as I can tell, you can be a man or a wolf. It's up to you anytime as much as you want. And there's no limit on that. There's no wolf energy meter or anything like that. But the only limitation is, you, as far as I know, and I may be wrong on this because I didn't play too much, but like I think you need to build up your super meter in order to become like the half man, half wolf, the, uh, the super form. Uh -huh. But I believe you can go back and forth between human and wolf at any time so. that's good yeah because i was just afraid of like i still am interested in the game it's just that like i could see like this is a whole board where you have to be the wolf you know and i like the idea of the jump back and forth it's kind of cool have not come across it. so i looked up cyanide i've actually played a number of their games so they make blood bowl which is janky as fuck, but I also think it's also awesome. Like, yeah, Blood Bowl you is really the good. Show and you liked it, yeah. I love Blood Bowl. Space Hulk Tactics, janky as fuck. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> Call of Cthulhu, janky, but also pretty good. They've done Sticks, Shadow of Darkness, which was janky and awful. Oh, yeah. They've done, uh, what else? Uh, God, what else? Tour de France. They do a lot of Tour de France. They do, what else? Mm. Horse racing games. Of Orcs and Men, which was janky as fuck, but was good. Uh, they do some skiing games. They did no, some Game I of get Thrones. It. I get it. When you said Orcs and Men and when you said um, those other ones, like the Blood Bowl and stuff, like, I get what their style is. Yeah. So this is kind of a departure for them, really. Yeah. This is not in their This is not in their jam. I mean, it's a little bit maybe analogous to Styx, but even that was not quite the same as this. This is more of a straight across kind of a weekender action game, the kind of thing that you would rent like in the 90s and just play through in two days and yeah. call it good, you know? Yeah. So... You know what? I also admit this is, might be a little nostalgic, not to go onto this too far. Uh, this is probably more than you thought you'd talk about Werewolf, but is there was a Nintendo game called Werewolf. Werewolf of the that? Apocalypse. I sure do. 
Was it called Werewolf the Apocalypse? It was. That game was awful. That game was terrible. Oh, it was terrible. Super as, terrible. As a kid, I think I bought it. Like, I didn't even rent it. I, like, bought it because I was so excited about the... Like, back then, you look at the back of the box. You look at the cover. It actually had a pretty cool cover, I remember. It and, did. And the, the sprite himself looked good. Like, the werewolf sprite looked awesome, I thought. But the playability was fucking terrible. Like, really bad. Like, hard. Like, difficult as fuck. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I've always wanted a werewolf game still because of that childhood trauma. Dude, and Werewolf the Apocalypse on the NES, man, that was fucked up because that werewolf had blades for arms, and I never understood that. I was like, he's a werewolf. Why does he not have claws? Nope, you got swords for arms, buddy. And oh, I, yeah. there's no explanation of that whatsoever. I may have blocked that part out. All I know it's is ter- it's terrible. I, I want this game to take that place of that bad memory. <clears throat> so even if it's just okay and like it can run around in third person, it might. I still might get it. It's better. This werewolf is better than that werewolf. And it's, you know, it's a pretty good, you know, third person action. Or it's it's janky and it's rough. So, like, don't don't come yeah. to it looking for AAA production. But I think it does what it needs to do. I'm going to play it maybe one or two more levels. But, man, I, oh, I just wish they hadn't fridged that wife. That was just like a bad, bad move. Bad yeah. move for me. Sometimes I see past that stuff. I know what you mean, though. It frustrates me. Yeah, bad taste. Um, so the uh, back of the box quote for this game is better than the Nintendo version. I mean, truth. That is a true fact. So, okay. That is Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. Playing that on PS4, running on PS5, I believe. Carlos, back to you. Ease is your jam. You are the ease guy. You are full of ease. You are always easing. Every time we talk, you've got a new ease game. You're yep. all about it. YS, ease, for those of you who don't know. The new one, Ease 9, Monstrum Knox, just just came out recently? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like two days ago. Two days ago, hot off the press, uh, and you are playing it. I don't know anything about this because i got to be honest with you. I've kind of just like mentally detached myself from the Ease series because it, it feels like there's a new one every time I turn around, and I never really get on with any of them. So I've kind of just – I kind of just like remove them from like my list of things that I might play. But I know you love it. What is up with Ease, Monstrum Knox, Ease well, 9? Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that uh, the beginning there because I actually had some history I was going to give you before we start, which is that Ease and my history with Ease. Um, by the way, the, the franchise has been around for 33 years, and it came out. How in a 19- long time? Yeah, 1987 was like the first game, and the first game time I played it was Ease One and Two, which is kind of a combo. Uh, it's basically two games, and you play the second one right after the first one, and it came out for the Turbo Graphics, which Turbo Graphics 16. Yeah. And the CD-ROM. So the why it left an impression is the gameplay was pretty awful, but it had these cutscenes. <laughs> well, you, you, anybody knows, you'll see. It, basically, the, the gameplay was you push up against enemies, and that's how you fight them. Yeah, that bump combat is weird. Bump combat, which they kind of had to do at times. I don't know. Like it, They couldn't get more sophisticated at the time. But um, it had these cutscenes, and it had CD audio, which for you kids, you have no idea. But that was a big fucking deal. So I could see these really cool anime scenes, and then it would go back to the you know old school graphics and terrible gameplay. But it, it was an RPG, and it was an epic one at that. So that really hooked me. And then Ease 3 was also on Turbo, and that was side-scrolling. And that actually got them in their direction of what they've always been doing. You said there's always like new games. Well, they've always been iterating on this action combat. So very, since the very beginning, it's never been turn-based. It's always been action. It's bumping against the enemies. But Ease 3, it was like, you know, side-scrolling and fighting the enemies. So it kept doing that until it got really, really good at top-down slash three-quarters view of action RPG. And that's what the games have been. Until 8 was probably the highest 
like graphics and the best graphics. And it was that, again, three quarters view, action RPG, a lot of frenetic button mashing, you know, just not just mashing, but like a lot of different combos and lots of stuff's going on the screen. So anyways, why I bring that up is because nine is the first game. And this is so cool. All the games use this one protagonist, Adol or Adol. A-D-O-L, right? Yes, yes, yes. He's got red hair, and you're like, oh, it's that guy again. But they never talk about the previous times. It's like he exists in a parallel reality. You know, it's just, I've got to go do a new adventure, and it's just him again, which I guess is Link, right? Same kind of thing. Yeah, same hero, but you don't quite know what the relationship is between the games and stuff, sure. Right. So this is the first one where, and I'll tell you the story in a minute, but it actually references the other games. So you start this game as Adol again. And you have one of your main friends and you go into a town and essentially the whole game is about you being stuck in a town because a girl turns you into a monstrum, basically a monster version of yourself, which just means you have special powers. Um, And then you meet other monstrums that are in the town that are also stuck there, kind of like a lost situation or something. You know, it's not an island, but it's a town. Mm -hmm. And so you're all can't leave, but you have to like do certain things to progress and, and whatever. Um, it actually starts in a prison and there's a whole prison side story I'll get, I'll get to. But Ooh, that shower scene was rough, brother. In the prison? <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Just Any, kidding. Anywho, there's no shower scene. Uh, not that I know of. Anyway, so why I bring it up is because early, early on in the game, you're this, you know, Adol character in prison. You break out of prison. You turn into a monstrum and then meet other monstrums. People start going like, we've heard about you. You're that guy who keeps crashing ships on islands. <laughs> you keep, and then like very specific references to old Ease games. And it's so cool because so many of us who have been playing these games have never like, you know, known if those things have even happened, right? It would be like if a Link game, a Zelda game, like mentioned all the times that Yeah, kind Ganon. of stringing it together for yeah. you and finally making coherent sense out of it sure, sure it's so cool like it, there's like he's being interrogated one time and they're like bringing up all his past things and he's like yeah I get, that was me yep <laughs> that crazy thing yeah that was me and it's just really fun it's almost like breaking the fourth wall a little bit hmm. um and then the the monstrum part of it is essentially you know you and you meet other characters that are like you have special abilities and those abilities are besides combat abilities they're very unique. So when you meet a new character who's also a monstrum like you, like a cat person, that cat person will give you their gift. So now instead of just running around the world and jumping and double jumping, you can run up a wall because she's a cat. So you you gain her ability, right? Oh, okay. All right. And so Hawk, he can fly a little bit. He can glide like a Zelda. But before that, before you meet him, you don't have that ability. When you meet him, you have it. And that can get you to new places. And this game is similar to Crackdown in the fact that there's so many little orbs and things all over that once you learn new abilities, you can get to different parts of the map. So it's endlessly fun. It's super addictive because the combat's really fun and frenetic and yeah, a little button mashy, but also like just amazing. Like it's like the the most intense ease game has ever been when it comes to combat. And then there's these cool gifts that they added. Like each of these new characters you meet gives you these special talents. Um, the other thing of note is that similar to eight, which you didn't play, but there's these kind of uh, tower defense sections, which I kind of got bored with in eight, but in nine, they explain it, why it's called Monstrum 
is because there's um oh, it's called Monstrum Nox because there's this other world that is living parallel to the city you're in and that's called the Grimwald Grimwald Nox or something and you go in there and you fight demons there's other games that do that right where you go into a demon world and come back to the real world oh sure I can't list them off but I know that I've done that a thousand times for sure right but this one like always stays like the whole game it's gonna be there so you jump into that world and and fight demons and stuff like that so lots of times you jump into these little portals to fight monsters you will be also defending things so it adds that kind of tower defense too which is actually really fun like it really Mm. does kind of break up the combat you're not just going and killing 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 monsters you're like killing monsters and defending things and setting up decoys and it it really trying to you know, changes the combat up. Um, overall, really fun story. Uh, it talks about um, like lower income class people in a place called Shantytown. So it actually gets a little, I don't know, I don't wanna say political, but like it, it talks about the differences in wealth, uh, which is fun and, you know, poignant. And it's really fucking good. Like it's my favorite Ease game. And I love that they talk about the old games in it. Wow. Well, if saying it's your favorite is is big because I know that you're a big fan of the series overall, and I I feel like you enjoy many of them. You have a lot of good things to say about most of them, but if this is your favorite one so far, that really must be something. Yeah, one and two are my favorite in the nostalgic vibe, right? Because they're the ones I started with. But if anybody who's played uh, action RPGs or Ease games specifically, this is them finding what they wanted to do the whole time. Like, I think Ease 8 was close to it, and Ease 9 is that they distilled their combat. They distilled the turn-based stuff, the tower defense stuff, and they put it all together. And they even referenced their old games. So, huh. you know what I mean? It's like the complete edition. It's like, yep, there it is. That's what Ease is. Huh. That sounds like a pretty glowing recommendation for you. Now, let me ask you one thing. Uh, we're almost out of time on the show here, but I do want to ask you one question. Uh, so let's say that somebody's listening to this podcast. And we have a lot of really great, smart, uh, beautiful, handsome listeners uh, out there. And if they're listening to you, you know, wax poetic about this game, and they're like, you know, maybe maybe this is the game for me. Uh, this kind of sounds fun. I like what Carlos is saying. If they have not touched an Ease game ever, like I know for a fact there's a ton of people who, number one, don't even know what Ease is, and number two, have never played an Ease game, would this be a good place for them to jump in? Like, would you really be missing a lot if you didn't get those little references? Or do you feel like you have to kind of be a serious fan to get the most out of this one? Yeah, great question. You don't. I would say that if you liked um, what I just said, you would like Ease 8 a lot. Ease 8 is very, very good. I think Ease 9 is better and introduces more new mechanics. And if you played 8 first, you would get some of the in-jokes but you don't need to get the in-jokes. Like, they're so few and far between, right? This is a brand new story, and you're still a brand new Adol. So, yeah, I, you don't need to play any other perfect, ones. Perfect, perfect. That was exactly my question, because if you if you can approach this just like a brand new game and you don't need all the backstory, I think that's a great place. And you're saying with all the gameplay refinements and improvements, I mean, no, maybe this is a good in for a lot of people, but, you know, you can't ask people to do, like, not you know eight games worth of homework before you come to, to play something so you feel like if anybody came to this cold there'd be enough standalone story that they could enjoy the whole game without you know without feeling that you're constantly missing something 100 percent. but i would also say the caveat asterisk is if you have time and we all have time because we're all stuck at home uh and you want rpgs you could play eight and nine together and that'd be awesome like that'd be you know what i mean like it would really like it just uh give it that extra little something but you don't need to and it's fucking Excellent. great and uh, tell us real quick, is this PS4 running on PS5? Yes, PS4 running on PS5. Yeah, I don't think there's a PS5 version for it. Yeah. By the uh, way, the graphics I didn't even mention, they're kind of old school. You know, they're like, don't expect 
you know, even PS4 Pro. It's not that. It looks just kind of very similar to Ease um, 8's graphics. That so seems they, to be a theme this episode. Don't be too worried about the graphics this episode. Yeah, but that game is so fucking good, dude. I'm telling you. I love it. All right. Straight uh, from the mouth of Carlos. We have it there, folks. And that is where we're going to leave it. That is the show for today. Got to get out of here. Got to have me some pizza right after this. I am starving. Sorry, man. Didn't mean to do that to you. But before we go, uh, send us your questions and comments. I forgot to check the email box this time. I apologize for that. I will check it before the next show. But keep sending us your messages, thoughts, comments, whatever. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at so video games, but we are also available on the social media individually. Carlos, where do you want people to find you this week? All right, excellent. As for me, same as usual, Twitter and Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And that is going to do it for episode 218. Thank you again, folks, for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast. And we will be back before you know it. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. The medium. Not the large, not the small. The medium. Yep. Yeah.